Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I am here with my fundamentalist friend, Peter Rollins uh, from Northern Ireland, philosopher, writer, theologian. Uh, I myself do comedy, internet comedy, for as long as I can, for now, yeah, and see how long it lasts. Hey, I'm I am now an influencer because oh yeah, cont- you did yeah, a, t- yeah, a tweet, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't done it yet because they have to okay it. But yeah. I was approached, and they said we'd like to pay you to talk about to watch uh the expanse and what is the expanse is that a sci-fi show yeah it's like a it's like a kind of um yeah it's like a straight up like star trek type show right yeah so for it's they're basically about to launch their fourth season and cool. i'm not even getting paid to do this this is not the pay bit the sure. pay is just like a tweet that's instagram story that's is that right yeah you know and you start really being a fan i um i did a thing for a it was what was the company that I did it for? Uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name. It's Robert Kirkman's company, Skybound, uh, okay. the uh, Walking Dead guy, and they had me do this show that they were trying to get off the air. That was like sciencey experimental things, and so they had me wear for this video. They had me wear one time like these this electrode that they had invented that this guy made, yeah. and it monitored my activity. And they the show that they had me watch was The Expanse, which I had never seen before. Whoa. So they and they kind of just threw me into it. So I didn't really know any kind of I didn't know what was going on. But um, yeah, I, I think it was the previous season. And I watched like three episodes in a row while they filmed me while they took all of my like you know vitals the entire time oh, through wow. my forehead. Was there anything going on that they? They, figure you out yeah there was one point where they where they were able to correlate when i was like pretty <laughs> bored <laughs> which was a, a pretty large amount of it but then there was stuff that happened like when action would you're happen. gonna ruin my my uh yeah my, yeah. Re- my sponsored thing yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you loved it <laughs> taking you loved it down it. <laughs> uh, but then there was the reaction because i didn't know it's like seasons and seasons worth yeah. now and so i have no idea what's going on and then when the action would kick in apparently they would see on my brain like oh okay you're yeah. you're excited about this so who that's my who connection thought that you know sex and violence will get people interested. will get me perked up <laughs> a little bit perked up <laughs> and that's the topic of today's podcast yeah. uh, well congrats on that and when you are have you sent the approval i've sent the stuff through they're looking at it it's just a very small amount it was actually really nice because they contacted me and and i was said well you know to be honest not probably worth my while because it would be fun to do anyway and so they said oh, we'll give you a bit more and i don't have to do very much um i don't have a big audience i don't know how they even find me but yeah. it's kind of cool so i've watched like two seasons of the expanse and i can see why they approached me because there is stuff about politics in it and there's yeah. stuff there's kind of some interesting themes it's basically about class conflict and then this there's kind of two yeah, conflicts yeah, yeah. There's like a political revolution happening, right? It's yeah. the girl from Lost or the woman from Lost, I think. Oh, I always forget people. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never read, even unless it's someone like mega famous, mm-hmm. they all look new to me. You yeah. Know? Put on a different outfit, won't recognize them. Yeah. Well, that's the same with me. Yeah. I would put on a different outfit and you're like, I don't yeah, know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. You keep confusing me with Rob Bell. Yeah. yeah I get you're it. as tall as Rob Bell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you are. And as joyful. Yes. And as happy. Yes. <laughs> um, so today on this episode, uh, we are talking about Christmas. We're going to yeah. talk about the, um, we were going to talk about the death of the father and, uh, <laughs> and we decided because it's early in the morning, we're not going to do that folks. Yeah. We're going to talk about something a little bit lighter, uh, and then save the heavy stuff for maybe 2020 or late 2019. Um, but then we have the new year coming up too. We yeah. got to bank a couple of these. I know we do. Absolutely. We're going to be, we're going to be, we got to really do it this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You're not running away for, no, I'm around for a while. Okay, great. 
Yeah, I'm running away. You're the one who's running away a lot. You're doing a lot of stuff. Have you got anything to promote? Not, I mean, we're doing a Valley Folk tour in January. So it starts January 18th. We're doing Sketchfest with the Chris and Paul show, which we're on Bring the Funny with us, and they're amazing. And then we're doing um, Denver, Salt Lake City, Tacoma, and Seattle uh, in one week span. And I have to get all the tickets for everybody. And I'm very nervous about it because I'm like, this is going to be so, so expensive. And hopefully people come. But um, yeah, you can get fine tickets and look in my. employment group mm-hmm. you can, we'll do it for you you have to not your yes. pa or anything no. unfortunately all of the interns are out and oh, all right. of our yeah all of our assistants <laughs> are uh, non-existent so anyway uh that's it but besides that and then i think i have a stand-up show in like uh april in washington dc which i'm actually really looking forward to fantastic so I'm, gonna, I'm assuming i can do political humor there and it'll go over well or it'll be the complete opposite and it will not be it will not go over well at yeah. all. So we'll find out. Uh, but that's a long time from now. So Christmas. Christmas, the meaning of Christmas. You, um, I would like to preface this by saying I love Christmas very much. Mm-hmm. And also I, Grace and I have been getting presents for each other. And Grace is new to the Christmas spirit. She's oh, is never, that right? She's not really been into it before. Not really into it, yeah. yeah. And so now I'm like slowly converting her and but she's she enjoys giving gifts and she keeps getting more and then <laughs> i i'm like i don't know i can't there's too many and then she's like well open this one so the first one i'm gonna tell you two two stories yeah. the first is she uh comes i come home one day and she's like uh open this it's very dumb and i was like i was supposed to wait till christmas she's like just do it it's stupid and i was like okay and i open it and it's a little pillow corgi uh-huh. and a little corgi lamp so very dumb <laughs> and uh and i was like this is great this is very stupid so then last night uh she's like i got more i got another one she's like i want you to open this one and i was like okay and i can feel it's like a framed a frame picture yeah. frame and i open it and it's a framed photo of freud and it says Dear Elliot, she wrote on it with Sharpie. Yeah. Dear Elliot, keep on slipping. Love, Denny. And then she crossed out Denny and wrote Freud. She wrote my fa- the fa- my father's oh, oh, name. Oh, very good. Oh, I didn't yeah. know your father's name. Okay, and then like yeah, scratched yeah. it out with Sharpie <laughs> and then framed the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> nice. Like, that's a that's a layered that's layered joke. I was like, very keep on good. slipping. Oh, right, Freudian slip. <laughs> and then she afterwards she was like, is this is he the right one? She was like, because the other night she was like, who's your favorite philosopher? And I was like, I think Kierkegaard. If I had to name one of them, and uh, and then it would end up being the Freud thing. And she's like, he's the father one, right? Or is that Jung? And I was like, no, Jung is <laughs> Jung's like the hippie version who got kicked out of the the the, the school. Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's very mine. good. Oh wow! So you're already doing Christmas presents. You're so many, and then so it? many. Uh, the Christmas tree that uh, I got when we were living together is still yeah. holding up well too. Just oh, so you know, oh, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I haven't done anything. I haven't done any Christmas trees. Really? Nothing. Yeah. I, I yeah, I kind of like the Christmas spirit, but not enough to do anything. About yeah. It. yeah. It's just an errand you're giving yourself, or a chore you're giving yourself later to take it down. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be here for the holidays? I will be, yeah. So yeah. I'm excited cool. about that. Um, are you? Uh, w- w- are any plans? Uh, not really. Um, I think uh, a couple of friends are doing something on Christmas Day. I might mm-hmm. pop in and do that, but I have very little plan. That's really. like Steve. Steve um, you know, Steve. He was. I think he's going to be like alone on Christmas. So if you're alone, you and Steve can hang. We out. can hang out. Yeah. Does yeah. Steve not care? I would have thought Steve would be a bit of a Christmassy guy. I think he is, but honestly, maybe not. He doesn't really talk about it. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's maybe that just passed him by. A lot of us. I mean, this is a 
interesting and maybe is that we often aren't into something ourselves. We're just into the other person liking it. That's so, Grace. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. She just likes the fact that I'm really into it, but I think she feels herself getting into it as a result yeah. of that. But well, she, that's it. That's, that's kind of how pleasure is generated as it's kind of like, uh, you know, you do it for your kids or whatever, but weirdly then you get the pleasure out of it. And then your yeah. kids are kind of doing it for you because they see how much joy you're getting out of them enjoying it, but then that allows them to enjoy it. So weirdly, like, happiness is always displaced into the other to some extent mm -hmm. um so as long as you've got someone else who's interested but when you take all of that framing away you just go like i don't care yeah <laughs> yeah like, and oh. so like steve i could imagine steve being really into christmas except if like his partner's away and is not close to his family and he'll be just happy playing yeah the then it's like just pretend yeah. it doesn't exist yeah. and just move right past it because yeah. otherwise like, you can get in your head and get sad and think about all the other people having yeah. fun and then that's this i would imagine the opposite effect of just seeing of you being alone and then seeing other people enjoy it and being like oh you know that story um there's a couple of good stories that I think reflect this, but the guy, this pastor mm -hmm. who lies to his congregation every week, says he's serving the poor and the homeless, uh, but really he's out playing golf. You'll know this story. I do know. Um, Seamus uh, was his name. Seamus was his name, yeah. So Seamus, the pastor, Golfing lying to his congregation his every week. Um, and some angels see this and they go to God, listen, God, I know you don't go to church, but we were there and listen, this guy's lying <laughs> yeah. to his congregation good, good yeah. every week. He's saying like he's, he's serving the homeless, bringing food to them. He's, he's kind of giving them clothes and blankets, but actually he's just playing 18 holes, right? Yeah. Getting rid of his family and he's getting rid of the congregation just for a few hours for himself. So God says, I'll, I'll, I'll teach this guy a lesson. So uh, the next Sunday, God dresses up in the Sunday best, goes to the church, very, very impacted by Seamus' sermon, even is tempted to go up to the front, give yeah. his life, you know, um, but holds back. And then Seamus says, yeah, now after service, I don't know what you're doing. I'm going to go and serve the homeless. And then he goes off to the golf course. But this time God is with him. And uh, Seamus tees up. Uh, and the first hole slices the ball, but the ball turns around, hits a bird, bounces on the green and goes straight into the hole in one shot. And this happens right the way through, right to the 18th <clears> hole, <throat> straight in, hole in one. Perfect game. Perfect game. I guess. I don't know anything about golf. Yeah, absolutely. Assume. Yeah, even better than um, uh, the leader of North Korea at the time, King Young-il, who supposedly did a, a round of golf in, I think it was 19 shots. Yeah. Just one less imperfection. But anyway. Just God, enough to be believable. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm sure you did, but Yeah. So God goes back up. The angels are furious, going, I thought you were going to punish this guy, but you gave him the perfect game of golf. And of course, God turns around and says, uh, well, ask yourself this. Who's he going to tell? Who's he going to tell? There you go. And that wee parable is brilliant because it's going like, oh, yeah, the joy isn't in the perfect game of golf. The joy is in telling people that you have the perfect game of golf, people seeing it, people engaging with it. Once you take that away, you're just left with, with you know, hitting the ball in the air. It's also such a great idea. Yeah, I've heard, definitely heard the story before. I like how you added the the joke about God being in church and then I like the, uh, or not being, and then the ball hitting the bird. I don't remember that part. That was very nice. Oh, yeah. uh, I had a lot of color to it, but there's also something about getting caught in a lie versus being caught in a lie because you messed up versus being caught in a lie because something so good happened that now you want to break the lie, but you yeah, can't. You so can't. you're really trapped in your own thing. Like yeah. you want to, you're in your own prison a little bit. It's very fun. Yeah. The horror of it. I mean, the, the other story, which you'll know, yeah, she's tells is about the, the guy who's 
uh, on a plane and it crashes in a desert island yeah. and he's only other survivors oh, yeah. this beautiful yeah. woman um like, what's a beautiful actress now i don't i'm so bad at names i'm yeah i feel the woman you like uh taylor swift taylor swift though that wasn't the one i was thinking of but yeah he crashes on desert island the only other survivors taylor swift and eventually taylor swift's got no interest in him but like it's only the two of them months go past and eventually he's always asking her listen let's just sleep together you know there's nobody else around she eventually says You're yeah here, okay i'm here yeah you know let's let's Is that do the light something on the Oh, yeah, no outside. Oh, okay. light outside. So eventually she goes, yeah, okay, like I'm bored. So they sleep together. And the next night, the next morning, he wakes up and says, that was great. But could you do me a favor? Could you just draw a little mustache on your face, put on some of my clothes, put on this hat and meet me down at the beach? And she's like, is this weird kinky thing or whatever? And he's like, no, 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 just go ahead and do it. So she does all of that, uh, meets him down at the beach. And uh, as soon as he runs up to her, he says, You'll never guess who I just slept with. Yeah, that's <laughs> he great. Needed, he needed another to say who he slept with. Look at that angel. You see that angel out I there? I do see that angel out there. Speaking of angels. We're looking at a dog in the office space of my apartment block. Yeah, and it's this beautiful labradoodle, it yeah. looks like. Oh my goodness, what a sweetie. Anyway. That's beautiful. Now I'm just going to report them so that they can get Please do. Out. Yeah, it does <laughs> say no dog. Oh yeah, I said no dog. <laughs> it does it's like the sweetest, most docile angel. Yeah. Uh, they could probably hear everything we're saying. Uh, yeah. Hello, puppy. Hello, can you hear me? You can't hear me, but man, that's a good dog. Uh, reminds me of my parents' talk. So anyway, yeah. let's talk about Christmas. Also, before we do that, though, I wanted to jump in and say, what is this book that you're reading about? Oh, yeah. Sex and the Failed Absolute. And that could not be a more Zizekian title. Yeah. Uh, what is it? What is it about? That it's about the nature of reality. It is about, and it's about how the nature of reality is connected with the nature of human sexuality. And sexuality is is kind of like, um, uh, well, you know, sexuality is an interesting thing. Is what is it? Uh, you know, in in a way, sexuality, you could maybe describe it as anything that's not utilitarian, anything, any repetitive thing that you do that doesn't have value. Like if I shake your hand, that's okay. non-sexual. But yes. if I hold it for longer and kind of like now I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, now you're uncomfortable. It suddenly becomes good a little firm bit grip. Sexual. Though, thank you very much. Not too firm. Yeah, we have. Yeah. yeah. So sexuality is this weird. And now kind I'm turned of thing. on. Yeah, yeah, I can see. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so sexuality is this kind of this uh, this dimension of human beings, and um, basically the book is describing what sexuality is in relation to what reality is. Yeah. Reality. Can yeah. I? Can we play a game real fast? Have yeah. you read that entire book? I have. Yeah. Um, just once. Uh, just once. I'm rereading it now. Can I? flip to a random page, yeah. read a paragraph, uh -huh. and then I will try to interpret what it means, and then you tell me if I'm okay, right. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and then we'll talk about baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Unless this sex this in the failed absolute is also about baby Jesus. Oh, yeah, I hope you don't. Um, There's some tough I, stuff. I see on. one that says the Hegelian repetition. I'm just going to skip that one. Oh God! Uh, the ooh, the implications of quantum gravity. <laughs> the, that's the most difficult. Go cool. for it. This is the most difficult <laughs> chapter in it because he uh, he gets into the deep dive of quantum uh, mechanics. Well, I want to have a chance, but <laughs> let me. Eh, I kind of like this one. Oh, okay, here we go. Okay. Oh God! I don't know if I'll be able to interpret it right. Go for it. This is a reading from "Sex and the Failed Absolute" by Slavoj Zizek. <clears throat> Corollary three. 
the retarded god of quantum ontology. Okay, well, out of the gate, I'm offended. Even the most elementary duality of space-time and particles or fields made of waves which move and vibrate in space-time thus falls away in this basic grammar of the world. At this level, one has to relinquish the idea of space and of time as general structures within which to frame the world. Quantum fields do not vibrate in space-time. They are themselves segments of space-time. What we encounter here is yet another version of the reversal that characterizes the Mobius strip. If we begin with our common reality, where things and processes take place in space and time, and then progress in our scientific analysis to the very basic constituents of reality, we encounter in the domain of waves what we experience in our ordinary reality as their, uh, as their temporal slash spatial form as another <laughs> element of content, as another quantum wave function. Space-time is, in our reality, the form slash container of material processes. And at the most basic level, these processes themselves, at their most fundamental, again, form is inscribed into its content as one of its moments. The big question here is, of course... <laughs> of course, of, of course, course, everybody's going to, we see the question oh, get to it. <laughs> we know where you're going. So how do time and space, in the usual sense as the formal containers in which material processes take place emerge out of this basic reality of quantum fields? Well, Rovelli has the answer. What does the passage of time mean if time plays no part in the fundamental description of the world? The answer is simple. The origin of time may be similar to that of heat. It comes from averages of many microscopic variables. Yeesh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a, the, a difficult chapter. I don't one. think yeah. I've ever said this on an episode of The Fundamentalists, but I think I have lost all interest in philosophy after reading that. <laughs> I think it purified me. That yeah. was terrible. What, yeah. So basically he's talking about how time is invented and how time is, it, reality exists and the thing that doesn't exist and then the, the rest of reality is not, like time itself is not part of necessarily reality. Is that the deal? Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to take much out of just that fragment, but putting it yeah. in this wider context, he's kind of saying that, well, he's asking the question, like, so everything happens within time and space. But to what extent is time and space itself a product mm -hmm. of what happens within it? So it's it's a weird. So a Mobius strip, if you you know a Mobius mm -hmm. strip, yeah, you, you flip it and you flip it. So it's you a, start on one side. There's no breaks, but you end up on the other. By the perfect. Time that's it. Yeah. So it's basically it's a it's a shape uh, uh, that is called an ori uh, an orientable shape, which has only one side. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's kind of like um, he's looking at reality as the type of Mobius strip that. You start on one side, time and space is on the outside, and you trace your finger around, and then time and space are in, internal, and these are interconnected. Uh, but So his whole thing is about the weird curvature of reality, and that's kind of like he connects it with the curvature of sexuality. Wow. I mean, it's kind of nice that he's getting into the quantum stuff. That's very interesting because yeah. I feel like, the. I mean, I don't know if this is an old or new book, but uh, everything that I hear from Zizek is always just like, it is sex and, and, and you go and, that, and it's the pleasure. That's, yeah. 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 He's got very into quantum mechanics in the last really? like, five years. And uh, yeah, he, and he's, he's very good at it. He's still, he's not an expert. Like that's, a, that's not his field, but he's very good. And when I was reading that chapter, I had to do loads of reading around yeah. and I, I, you know, it, it's not my area at all. Like, so it's, yeah. it, took a, it took a lot for me to kind of like get the basics of the chapter, but you don't need that chapter to understand the book. Oh, really? That's just him kind of like, uh, flexing, flexing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Here's how smart. Here's 
<laughs> how smart I am. Yeah. Um, so okay, uh, that was fun. That was a fun intro to this podcast. That was the first twenty minutes. Yep. What, do you, what do you got on on Christmas? Yeah. Okay. Well, connecting it with something we talked about, you know, I said about uh, was it God going to church? There is this interesting thing about the incarnation that Christianity is a religion in which God. Uh, praise in which is very very weird people pray to god but uh you have god praying there's this so there's this weird curvature uh, which is similar to the shizak thing we're back baby. yeah we're yeah we're uh, good. is it uh do you mean on the cross when christ cries out why have you forsaken me or do you mean even earlier even earlier you know you have basically christ you know god in the kind of the story uh becoming fully human and then engaging in fully fully human activities like going to temple and yeah that kind of thing exactly going to church yeah so it's a very weird thing for for it's it's hard for us to kind of realize how weird it is but it is a very like it's a very weird thing to describe god going to temple and praying and uh there's a that's a very absurdist kind of thing. Kierkegaard was very into this kind of absurdity of Christianity. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, that I guess you're right. Like he is God, and then he goes to temple, but he does. So like, this is gonna get real basic. This is gonna be like I'm I'm out of the the game here a little bit. But is in Christianity the story. Okay, so obviously you interpret the story through like psychoanalysis and kind of existentialism, just put it Mm -hmm. in so many words. But then the traditional story, the evangelical interpretation of it is that Christ didn't know he was God when he went to temple, right? He was a little baby, uh, a little kid. Jesus. No, because when, well, yeah, he went when he was a child, but not a baby, but there's a point right. where he was a child. And then, so no. That'd be crazy if he went as a baby. Yeah. Yeah. That very, very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> this this uh, baby's rambunctious. Yeah. No, I, I would say like the evangelical conservative approach is generally that, that Christ was aware. Sometimes really? some people say. That I didn't know. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. But some people say like there's a point where he became aware, which is when the Holy Spirit descended on him. Right. Some people say his awareness is already there. But yeah, that's a, you know, people. But generally, I think the conservative view is that, um, you know, Christ kinda, has yeah. self. In fact, God, Christ names himself God. You know, he says, I am the son of God. And yeah. He kind of says things that assume that he is well isn't that christ too isn't that what christ means is that the whole origin of the name well it means messiah so not necessarily yeah yeah you could be a messiah without being the incarnation um but that's this is the fascinating thing about the story oh go ahead no go ahead after you um is that um oh yeah yeah you can hit anything um what was i going to say uh, that's the fascinating thing about him basically going to temple. Oh yeah, is that you have like you have this weird thing where God is the highest. I mean, traditionally you think of God as as the creator of everything yeah. becomes the lowest. I mean, Luther literally says, you know, basically we are the the excrement of God. We are the shit of God, and then God identifies directly with his shit um, in. Uh, in in the in the incarnation so it's a very graphic kind of yeah, image yeah. uh of kind of like that's a that's a very bizarre thing for um, us to kind of articulate there's such explore. a nice thing about regardless of where uh i think people go with that the the story of the holidays because people get so just like in their up their booties about like 
is it Merry Christmas? It's a Christmas season. It's not Happy Holidays. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. And it becomes this very politicized thing in our culture right now, and it has been since I was a kid. But the fact that there's just something about this story that I really love yeah. that I can't get away from, where yeah. it's like the, the the traditional, I always see it in like an animated version from when I was a kid, you know, those like old cartoons. And I just, I just visualize this like, they're coming in on a donkey and they're looking for a place to stay. And then they have this child and all the wise men come. There's something about that story um, and knowing that it's like, uh, in the story it is god that is so beautiful yeah like the yeah. baby element of it the fact that it's like that's baby god that's yeah. crazy yeah i mean that's that's the, there's like i think there's like a, a a more superficial and a deeper reading of it the, the more superficial and not in a bad way but the more or the more literal mm-hmm. meaning of it is basically that uh, at the time, obviously, there was like Caesar Augustus was born of a virgin. Uh, the, the idea that he was the son of God, um, but he was uh, a, an emperor who ruled from a mansion, mm-hmm. from a you know, from a, with an army. More in line with the vision of or the image of God. Yes, at that time. absolutely. Or so yeah, so this narrative, in a, in a very simple, literal way, it is saying that this is a different type of God. It's a direct kind of like claim against a certain view of God and against Caesar. I mean, it's a political mm-hmm. position. It's saying this is the son of God, but he doesn't, it wasn't born in a mansion, but in a manger, who doesn't rule with an army, but uh, but engages with the people. He's not for the powerless, but he's mm-hmm. for the powerless. And I think that's the part of the story that's very appealing. It's not a story about, you know, it wasn't it's Christianity as such. It's a story about, um, a very different understanding of the absolute. That, yeah. You know, so at the time, people who would have heard the story, who, who would have said, you know, Caesar, Caesar is born of a virgin, they would understand immediately what's being said. Oh, this is a direct kind of confrontation with this notion of mm-hmm. the absolute. Um, and back in that day when they heard that story, I mean, I imagine most people would scoff and be like, well, that's, you're just crazy. About the son, about, about Jesus and being like, I mean, there's no, yeah, Mary being like, yeah, I'm yeah. a baby and I'm a virgin and yeah. <laughs> I'm not a queen. I'm not like an emperor mama. Yeah. Yeah. And and where that, I, I mean, I, I can't remember because I'm not, I, I'm not a scholar and that stuff, but how, when that narrative arose, mm-hmm. I mean, the earliest gospels are like about 60 years, like conservatively about 60 years after the event. So the reading of the event, um, is happening afterwards. But yeah. again, I think it's being constructed as a direct kind of yeah. critique. So it is absurd. It is crazy. It is kind of, it It, it would have been designed to, to sound absolutely crazy. It's a topsy-turvy world. This is what Kierkegaard calls kind of the absurdity of Christianity. It kind of turns on its head our notions of power or notions of authority or or notions of who's right and who's wrong who's inside and who's outside it's completely upside down upside down almost like a mobius strip there you go yeah very boom. good yeah boom Take that, <laughs> uh yeah do you um i mean did you grow up uh celebrating the baby jesus story at, in northern ireland was it a uh big part or santa and all that like the cool yeah thing. i mean christmas is a big thing has to home. be I yeah bet it's so beautiful yeah is it snowy and stuff it's snowy and i think it's bigger there than here like i noticed thanksgiving seems to be bigger here people a bigger love, deal. people freak out over thanksgiving here. yeah yeah i have not but we don't have that at all so we just have christmas so christmas you also have a you know you really like 
Halloween, not you individually necessarily, but Halloween's a big deal. People love, yeah. yeah, it's not as big a deal back home, but Excuse Christmas me. is. Yeah. I think you're also in LA too. So yeah. LA is a godless country. So of course they're doing the devil worshiping holiday. And yeah, of course. And Christmas, <laughs> the cool one. Yeah. Um, do you guys, did you have Santa? Do you have like, did you believe, oh, yeah. did you believe in Santa? I did. I mean, I, from when I was, I can't really remember, but like, yeah, I did believe in Santa. Yeah. No way. did all of that. Do you feel uh, like the Santa narrative has any philosophical strength or uh, points to make you know i haven't really thought much about the saint nicholas thing there's not really anything to it i mean yeah it's uh, do you you know that um santa was uh uh the image is um that we see of him is coca-cola, from coca-cola. Yeah, yeah 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 that's one of my favorite i think that's nice. interesting yeah um that that actually there's something interesting there is the contradictions um of some like Santa Claus, which is the commercial, you know, he he's basically the symbol of commercialism, yeah. but he's also the symbol of giving and self-sacrifice. And that's a contradiction. So Santa Claus is the kind of symptom of a contradiction in, in Western society between those things that we value, we value having stuff and gifts and, yeah. uh, and, and the Coca-Cola thing. But we also, you know, I love, I love those kind of contradictions. And so Santa is a bit of a contradiction. And the Santa thing too, I always like the magic of just being like, Oh, there's a gift and it appeared and it came from a magical land. And it's like, it, it's different from another, from a gift you would get from a parent or something. Like yeah. when I, was growing up, my parents would like, you know, say like from Santa. Yeah. And that would just give it this feeling of like mystical power. Like, you could, oh, this Batman yeah. toy is more special than. You see, that that's fascinating because that is, you could say that that is the ultimate ideology of capitalism. Because capitalism, in one sense, what we do is we see commodities divorced from who made them, where they come from, like what countries, oh, yeah, geopolitical yeah, yeah. issues. So within the Marxist theory, um, what they what you try to do is you try to see that a, a, a commodity, any commodity is actually connected with the world. When you have right. your breakfast, it's connected to workers driving the, the, yeah. the trucks, to people growing the food, the supermarket. So actually, funny that when you say that, I'm going like, oh yeah, Santa Claus is the ultimate kind of like uh, ideology in a sense of it obscures completely the idea of a commodity being connected with, with real, labor with and labor. sacrifice. Yeah, with and sacrifice, Absolutely yeah. No sacrifice, so yeah. It's the magical which as a child makes it all the better. Yeah. It magically appears because that makes it easier for us to consume if a product is completely divorced. So in one way, Christmas is just uh, a very extreme um reflection of what we all believe about commodities. Whenever I go into a supermarket, I am not thinking it, it is like magical. Yeah. It's like it's just magically appeared on the shelf. So Christmas is a very good way to open see postmates that. and you're like, yeah. I'm the king of the world. I can yeah. get whatever I want. And that's so gonna divorced. take it's gonna take the order person to see the order, make the order. Uh, not to mention the amount of the journey that the, all the different ingredients went on to get there, combined with the driver, combined with the gas that they're using, where the gas came from, uh, the who made the car, and it's also that I can have like an enchilada. Yeah. Yeah, a whole world has had to happen for that enchilada to appear in your hand. Yeah. And even meat, the fact that meat to us, you know, it looks like, you know, sausages are just these kind of like uh, shapes that are almost, they're unnatural shapes. Yeah. yeah. They're so divorced, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is this weird thing where we, um, we don't see what's Hegel would call it abstraction. We abstract uh, the object from its concrete relations. Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, it's like Dr. Was it Dr. Dredd? 
no Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd, yeah. Judge Dredd. He's the perfect abstraction. He's a very interesting American hero because he doesn't care if the criminal had a bad background or was uneducated or lost their, yeah. their job. Who has time for context? He has time for context. So he's the ultimate abstractor. The criminal just appears out of out of basically almost out of thin air and yeah. has to be judged without any connection to what's going on around them. That um, also, like when you get a gift from, I remember as a kid getting a gift from a parent even though it's like as a kid you don't have a job you don't really have the ability to like re reciprocate and there's a feeling i think even as a kid of like hand being handed a gift by a parent basically means you know if, especially if you're aware that your parents are struggling it's a big deal so yeah. it's like very special but uh to put it under the santa moniker is basically to go like this isn't even for my, this isn't even a sacrifice on our part. This is from Sant. This is because you are a good person and you deserve this type yeah. of thing. And yeah, so it makes you just go like, oh, this is this is more special. This is, uh, uh, yeah, it's it it yeah, it's mis I guess mystical. Yeah, would yeah, be it's, the it's mystical and it's magical and mystical. Absolutely, um, it's a, Marx would call it the theological dimension of the the commodity. Yeah, the commodity is full. He says it, the commodity is full of metaphysical niceties and theological subtleties, and uh, that's kind of it. I was know. taking a walk uh, two days ago with Joe Beretta, Steve Zarigos, walking around, doing a little morning walk, drinking coffee, and. Uh, we have this real pretty neighborhood behind our our office, and so we'll take walks on that sometimes uh, around it. And Steve was talking about Disney, and because we we both have been like talking back and forth privately about what uh, the Imagineering story on Disney, which is basically like um, the stories of like how all the theme parks came to be, or most of the theme parks came to be, and who was the CEO, and then how they designed the parks, and what they were going for, and working with like Hong Kong to create a Disneyland park, and the original Disneyland park, and they start from Walt Disney all the way um, to Bob Iger. And um, at the end, I I came in to, to work and I was like, do you, I was like, see, this is like the last episode. Like the, there's only going to be five episodes. He's like, no, no, I, I love, I love it so much. And then he came in we were walking. He said he watched it and he, he was the same thing where he was um, in tears because of the, these, these beautiful things that these people make and how passionate they are to make these incredible rides and this incredible technology and how into it they are. But he was like, there is a, He's like, I don't know how to reconcile the fact that Disney is like evil. Like yeah. they are a massive corporation. They're a massive monopoly. They're a massive, like they do all these terrible things. He's like, how, you know, and he's like, my girlfriend was saying, you know, I just need to enjoy it. I need to not let the negative part kind of seep in. And I was like, well, maybe let it seep in a little. I was like, but also it's a, like Disney exists within the whole dome that we've created. So it's like, we are part of the system that created Disney anyway. So yeah. it's like to, to be like, oh, Disney is out there doing evil stuff and I'm the good guy. It's like, no, we're all enacting this stuff, whether it's with cars or Postmates, like we're we're feeding yeah. the system constantly. Yeah. And I was thinking about you when I said it, but, but I didn't very, give yep. you credit. Well, thank you. And you know, Probably because I said something really wrong. <laughs> no, this is, yeah, this is great because you could say that because, um, right, first of all, whenever people say they're not religious and go like every time you buy a product in a supermarket, there's a religious dimension because that is, as you said, it's a mystical, magical thing. Like it just mm -hmm. appears. We may kind of know that it's connected, but we don't feel it. We've, 
our, our existential experiences. Disney World is just there. The yeah. breakfast cereal's there. Postmate shows up at our door. The way to potentially start to find freedom is to uh, become disillusioned. That actually disillusionment's important, that we begin to see the material circumstances that are around something. And it doesn't make us, you know, think that everyone's evil or bad or anything like that, but it kind of might put us off a little bit, or it might kind of, it might free us from this frenetic pursuit of kind of like having stuff mm-hmm. and the next thing that will satisfy in the next experience. And as you get free of that, you might be able to live better. Yeah, because the other two extremes are to boycott Disney, never watch Disney Plus, hate Toy Story forever, Woody sucks, uh, or ignore all of it and love it unconditionally yeah. and be like, oh, it doesn't matter. They do good. And it's like both of those, I feel like, are just sticking your head in different sandboxes, basically. Yeah. 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 And that brings us back to Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's like, here's the thing. You know, um, uh, uh, Scooby Doo. Scooby-Doo is interesting because Scooby-Doo is a standard enlightenment critique of religion, right? right. So you have some guy usually who's in an, uh, close to an abandoned, mostly abandoned town, terrorizing the, the neighbors yeah, because he's obsessed with money. And uh, he's dressed up as a demon or a ghost or whatever. And of course, the Scooby-Doo gang rip off the mask at the end. And, and what you realize is, oh, beneath the mystical, weird, uh, supernatural stuff, there's actually a natural explanation. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting kind of like, you know, standard critique of supernaturalism. It's also right when I stopped watching Scooby-Doo. When I realized that every time it's just somebody in a mask, it became the most boring cartoon. Yeah, the twist is the twist is gone. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is oh, it's just it's never real. And so for some reason that I remember as a kid just being like, Scooby Doo does nothing for me. Oh yeah, I didn't like it. And now they keep making movies of it. I'm like, I don't want to like that. I wonder if the new stuff still. They probably do different things. I I actually really like the original. Every week it was just the same thing. It was just like, but but yeah, you kind of you know the twist is coming, but 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 the interesting thing is there's a second mask that they never take off. And this is the most interesting thing. Their like skin. It, their skin, yeah. <laughs> they don't rip off the skin. Well, it's the it's the weird mystical thing that keeps the body so obsessed with money that they'll do anything to have it. So they're like a loner. They've got no friends. They live in some like, you know, house up in the mountains, right? That is a strange mystical thing is that we think that having that treasure will somehow fix everything. That is a spiritual belief. That's oh, a yeah. weird thing. So what what I'm what we're talking about here is that actually the second mask that needs to be taken off is the mask of the commodity just appearing to us, like Santa gives us the mm-hmm. commodity. And the set which then attaches us to it. It's, it's this magical object that just appears. When we see the conditions that bring that object to us, we might begin to be freed from this weird over-attachment to things. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose that's why it's interesting when you see Santa Claus uh, actually with all the elves, and the elves are actually the proletariat working very hard to make the toys. Sure. That's maybe the first step. Show your kid the hard-working elves who don't get to play with the toys. Now I feel like this <laughs> is an episode of Scooby-Doo, but it's Santa at the end who's the villain, and I'm finding it out slowly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like the Oompa Loompa thing in Willy Wonka. Like, they have, he has his little worker bees. That yeah, I mean, are they unionized, or do they have, well, like, what are they getting paid? Are they allowed to leave the factory? I think Lots they get paid questions. in chocolate, yeah. Ah, right. And I don't think they're allowed to leave. 
Yeah. I don't think that town could handle a bunch of Oompa Loompas running around. Do you remember that movie? That's a bleak looking town. Yeah. (laughs) That is a bleak town. Um, So, yeah, you have the elves and they, uh, they, they make all the stuff. Okay. That's, yeah. So, on one hand, you have, uh, with Christmas, you have the secular Santa story, which, of course, uh, is a... Um, what did you call it? An ideology. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you have the subversion of the idea of God, that a God could be a little baby. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that that's the ba- that's the deeper one. Which the, is- yeah. And that's the yin and yang of the holiday, which I think is very fun. It's not oh, like yeah. it couldn't be a more Ameri- appropriately American holiday. Oh, yeah. There's lots of contradictions all caught up in Christmas. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the baby thing's fascinating because the notion of God as the absolute becoming an alienated individual for for philosopher hegel that is simply a story of how the reality itself is alienated mm-hmm. like we're alien we've talked about this before but you know, we feel alienated yeah. consciously alienated, but but our feeling of alienation is inscribed into reality in fact that bit that you read out of she's book is basically him saying that in quantum mechanics what we discover is the non-at-oneness of reality itself. We, we have particle duality, that there's, there's this weird sense in which it's not that we're unfulfilled. We are kind of not whole, but the universe is whole. The universe is substantial, but we aren't. It's the idea that, no, the universe isn't substantial either. It is weirdly in a type of deadlock with itself. Mm-hmm. And for Hegel, this is beautifully described in the Christian story, where the absolute, which is the one who lacks mm-hmm. the lack, God, actually identifies fully with lack. And in that, you're broken free from the pursuit of wholeness. In that, you're able to embrace the struggle of existence. Yeah. So that, that for Very me beautiful. is the deeper message of the incarnation. Um, I went down a wormhole the other night on YouTube. I was looking up stuff. Uh, like I, I went on, I think the search term was meditation and psychoanalysis because i just wanted to see Uh what the what people had and there was very few things like not really a lot going on there but there were a couple of videos that were interesting and most of them were just sort of like very kind-hearted um or seemingly kind-hearted people promoting meditation but uh in it they they talked I don't know where the psychoanalysis came in because it's really just straight up meditation. But I thought about it when you were talking about the oneness of the universe. And it's like, I've been thinking about meditation um, a while for a little bit recently and like trying to get back into it. Not in the sense that I'm going to connect with the universe, but in the Mm. sense to just to like recharge my my brain a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, that whole, uh, the whole idea that they, this guy was talking about was you by removing, by figuring out how to focus on your breath, whatever, you activate just a part of your brain that's, you know, less used, which is, I think, a very nice way to think about it because I prefer that over if you focus on your breath, you'll feel the 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 of everything. Yeah. But I've, I've felt the before, mm-hmm. the, the oneness, and uh, it's interesting because even though I've felt like I think what they sell, quote unquote, like a lot mm-hmm. of the, the really new agey meditation, like I think I've experienced it, it's still not enough <laughs> to yeah. keep me going back to doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like something's missing if it's like, oh, I like I've, I've done it enough to feel hints of like, okay, this is actual mindfulness or whatever you want to call it. But then 
it, the oneness of the universe, quote unquote, is not enough to make me continue doing it as it I gets have. Very boring. It I gets mean, it's very boring. Yes, yeah. So the oneness of the universe <laughs> bores the heck out of yeah. me. Yeah. Then I go back to life and I have a scotch. Yes. I mean, like at its extreme, uh, in psychoanalysis, you could say, well, it's both impossible, but but the closer you get to it, the more you actually dissipate anyway. So actually, the all of the the enjoyment is, yeah, you can have a nice experience of, you know, drugs or sex or alcohol that kind of help you f just feel a little bit less stressed. Mm -hmm. But actually, um, you know, when you really get in sync with the universe, you get in sync with the chaos of the universe. Is you can't get rid of the chaos because you are the chaos. Mm -hmm. That's the trick. Is it? And actually, if you want to, if you want to find the real meat. You want to get into the the chaos itself and I the mean, chaos hey, that you are. That is very similar to what the meditation teacher I uh, I had said, where she said, "You're not in traffic; you are traffic." Ah, well, there you go. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I I try to say that to myself when mm -hmm. I'm in. Every now and then, I get really pissed off about traffic, and uh, usually, if I'm just like going home. The other day, I it took me from Sherman Oaks to to Eagle Rock. It was like an hour and 25 minutes or something like that. And yeah. it should be about a 25, 27 minute drive. And uh, I was so angry the entire time. But usually I'm not. Usually I don't really care about traffic and I can mm -hmm. listen to a podcast. Um, I listen to like three po podcasts on um, pilot or writing pilots for scripts. Yeah. Ooh, I have an idea I want to talk to you ooh, about. Ooh, um, okay. That I was, that, that it's very fun. But uh, I think you'll like it. But um Anyway, I get I, when I'm pissed off in traffic, I'll say that to myself and be like, "I'm not in traffic. I am causing traffic." And then I'm like, "No, they're causing traffic. Yeah. Like they're, it, it lasts for two seconds. Yeah. Like, I'm causing traffic. No, but I wouldn't be causing traffic if they weren't causing traffic. So yeah, it's yeah. very fun. Um, and that's me existing in the chaos. Yes, which is what you pretty much do. Yeah, all the time. All the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a podcast for a different. We should yeah. do. We should do a episode uh, for New Year's. On, I think we've done resolutions before, mm -hmm. but I want to talk about like bad habits. And, okay, I got a, I got a couple of them. Yeah, and so uh, I want to like talk about what's going on there, which yeah. I know we've done before, but I want to read. Oh yeah, it let's do that. Time. That's Absolutely. a good like New Year type of thing. Yeah. Um, how are we doing? We got forty five. Well, oh yeah, good. I yeah, feel was, like we're landing around this forty five fifty mark lately, which is kind of cool. But that's pretty good. There's yeah, there's one other thing I wanted to oh, touch on, but very simple. We actually touched on it last week, so I'm just kind of like. Uh, bringing it back into the discussion is that incarnation can sound like a very mystical uh, idea. But as we talked about last week with the Joker is incarnation simply kind of means the coincidence of opposites, the highest and the lowest meeting. So it's like, oh, uh, cool. you know, with the Joker, it's like the, the spirit of Gotham city coming to understand its truth through this, this kind of murderous, kind of yeah. mentally ill individual um, or the Titanic, which is just a ship sinking. Lots of ships sink, but that ship remains with us because it captured the truth of an era. You know, mm -hmm. the, the ships being the, uh, the powerhouse of the day, the kind of the height of technology, mm -hmm. human development, crashing against fate, against nature herself, mm -hmm. the end of European civilization, et cetera, et cetera. So you have, in, and it's the symptoms, the perfect example, the symptom is some silly inert thing in our body, a bad back that briefly incarnates the truth of our desires and fears, yeah. our fantasies. So this, this notion of like, uh, Hegel called it the spirit is a bone. 
the bone, which is your symptom, like, oh, you know, I keep I keep uh, getting a really bad migraine. Um, and then that migraine, but being a manifestation of the truth of some sort of conflict within you, um, that's a type of incarnation. So that's what we're talking about here is that this, the incarnations happen all the time. Um, that whole idea is the coolest idea and the, like yeah. the, the high and the low meeting all that stuff that's um not to like plug anything and try to make it about me but the title of the special holy shit is supposed to be that idea that's of, right the two things the holy yeah. which is the mind spirit soul and shit which yeah. is excremental yeah. remainder pure being pure in our density of matter yeah together and then yeah so and then using that and then as the title like i'm a big fan of the title of that that special and then because uh, it it was I talked about this before, but it's from the Felix Culpa idea that that Rob Bell and Pete Holmes talks about at, on some Largo talk of um, happy fall, yeah, of Adam kind of falling, and then his his uh, sin becomes the thing that brings out the brings upon the redemption of all humanity. Like it's yeah. very, it's just like it's just beautiful stuff that I think applies in so many different areas. Yeah. It's wonderful. And, that, that's, and that's the Lutheran thing is like, is that the, God, we are I'm the shit of the Am world. You're a Lutheran. Cause yeah, cause Luther says basically we are the shit of reality. We are the shit of the absolute. Yeah. And then God identifies with the shit and makes it holy. So yeah. holy shit is is Christmas, <laughs> is, yeah. uh, is the message of Christmas, is that the excremental remainder, the lowest, the, the, the outsider, the rejected, the trash of the world, Paul calls it, is actually the site of the absolute, the site of the truth. And you're, you're, you're one are special, if I can say, is in a, in a way going, looking at the shittest time in your life, Mm-hmm. The worst time, the time which the, where the worst things happen and where you, you were the worst in every, like in yeah. every way. And actually how you're able to, by talking about that, sublimate it and sublimate it into something holy, into something beautiful. Yeah. I wonder if that's um, why I'm not doing a lot of standup any, right now. I don't feel like I was using standup, I guess, as a way of talking about stuff that I was being haunted by. And mm. I don't know if I'm that haunted right now. Yeah. But I also, I'm sure I am, but it's like, yeah, there's not a lot right now of like, yeah, that's what I love about the stand of doing standup is taking stuff like that and being like, okay, let's, let's zoom out a little bit and then zoom real far. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, I was listening to this podcast. Uh, it was uh, Joe Rogan and he was talking about weeb and he was saying um, a, a lot of people and, you know, I, I'm a casual fan of Joe Rogan. A, a buddy of mine recently called me uh, light Joe Rogan. <laughs> and I thought it was very funny. Uh, but he was talking about how a lot of people, when they smoke weed, they get uh, hyper paranoid. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think what's actually happening is marijuana has a tendency to illuminate the actual fragility of your life. And mm. so I thought about that when you said the back yeah, pain yeah. thing, where it's like, I know that there are times when I get too, a little too high, and then I feel terrified or I feel so scared because I'm like, all of this is going to go away. And like, I really realize it and like internalize it in this weird way. And then I have to just like stop thinking about it. Otherwise it, it gets bad. But like, I look around, I'm like, I look at my friends and I look at my life and all this. And it's like, every now and then it just hits me yeah. that it's like, I'm gonna die. And yeah. all my, everyone I love is gonna die. And everyone that they love is gonna die. Yeah. And none of this <laughs> is gonna last. <laughs> so yeah. then I'm like, okay, maybe uh, maybe smoke less. But um, but that's it. and like, and weed like I've noticed this about weed, and 
there, the definition of anxiety for Lacan is not knowing who you are to the other. So your anxiety is what, what should I do? Who am I to the person I love? Who am I to the political society? Who am I in this party? And I noticed weed can just exacerbate that. That so it you when you, you when you take enough weed, you start to go, who am I to the other? Yeah, yeah, and it, it, well, it's, it's kind of exposing the truth. You to know? bring back your regard, there's the the anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. I think that's oh how. yeah 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 and yeah, uh, yeah and, and that's another one where it's like the anxiety I'm feeling is just the fact that I could like an earthquake could happen right now and I could just be swallowed into the earth or I could go out and get, you know, yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. freedom necessarily, just doom. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Freedom of doom. Yeah. Um, cool. Any other, yeah. Any other closing thoughts? Yeah, no, I, 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 I like, I really, you know, I, the funny thing about this episode, right, is I felt that it was kind of going all over the place and yet every bit seems to, I think, fit it. And the one I'm happiest about is your Holy Shift tour is that we talked about, this idea of the absolute, the holy and the shit kind of combining and comedy is a great example of that. But I'm going like, yeah, that is what, that's what the holy shift uh, special is about. Holy like, shit. That's it. Yeah. You keep doing, you keep saying shift because you're thinking. Oh, of, uh, did I say shift? Oh twice. yeah. It was a Freudian slip. Yeah, it was. Ah, yeah. That's I was waiting. I was like, hey, yeah, that's what it means. Uh, I, think, I think you're like Rob. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You know, back to that. There you yeah. go. Um, um, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I'm like Rob there. Well, maybe a little yeah. bit. Um, but we'll find yeah. out. So, th so like that, that your special is, I think, a good example of what we're talking about with incarnation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the whole. I like this episode. I think we'll talk about it afterward. But I like the fact that, um, yeah, for one, it's it's in the morning, so there's a little bit of just like my brain can't, I can't yeah. brain a lot of the 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 heavier stuff right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, going from Christmas to Christmas gifts to the incarnation. DeSanta being a, a Marxist, um, <laughs> uh, what would you be? Not mascot. Or well, no, probably a capitalist, capitalist mascot. mascot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which makes all sense. Yeah, back to, which that too, I mean, here's the thing. If yeah. low points and high points, um, certain conversations like that tend to like, I don't get as excited about that stuff as oh, I do yeah, 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 the, yeah. The, the incarnation. And I don't stuff. mean that in a bad way. Yeah, we both felt it too. Really we both bad. moved right back yeah, to yeah. baby Jesus. We were like, eh, that's enough about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we get it's a capitalist. Because yeah. I feel like I start to sound like a college sophomore when I yeah. when I talk about Well, what frustrates me is that like, there's so much of this conversation at the moment. And honestly, I don't, and I just don't think anyone's read Marx. He's talking about it because Marx does not fit very neatly into the critiques that are being called Marxist at the moment. I mean, all Marx did is his primary thing was he provided a very, um, a very in-depth uh, look at the contradictions of capitalism. That's it. He wasn't kind of like doing a lot of moralizing or anything like mm -hmm. that. In fact, he was even, he had a deep respect for capitalism. He felt capitalism was the, basically an evolution from the previous mode of production, which was feudalism, which was an evolution from slavery. Mm -hmm. And so he just thought that it wasn't the end. And what, all he was doing was he was trying to isolate how a certain form of economic activity generates certain contradictions that themselves lead to a different mode of production. That's it. Well, and it also plays into <clears throat> a lot of, I think, your, it makes sense that you are a fan of his because it plays into your philosophy, which is, it sounds like he was basically going, yeah, capitalism works. 
it's great um don't get too attached yeah you know like it's like the, like hold it lightly because they change and evolve and grow hopefully yeah. but uh yeah it's everyone everyone yeah. gets so real, real sensitive about real that. and sensitive. i don't i can't i'm like i don't i could yeah. not care less enough about that situation yeah. so when people come at me like this is what it is and i'm like you you too much too yeah. much and i maybe i'm just naive or ignorant but i don't i can't handle that level of like Rah! Yeah, no, no, it's, 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 again, any debate where emotions are high, that's important, that's good, but it, it does mean you can't really talk about the issues as much. Yeah. I, I'm actually critical of Marx. Funnily enough, the best critique of Marx I've ever read is, uh, is Todd McGowan's new book, Emancipation After Hegel. And I, I'm, I'm annoyed at how good a critique it is, but, but basically the critique is simply that Marx is on, on, earthing contradictions, but there is still this element in Marx only in bits where he thinks that there is a society that can exist without contradiction. Uh, and this is an element that um, means that Hegel is probably probably better than Marx. But anyway, that's a bit insider baseball. Who cares about that? that flew, we should do takeaways. That flew right over my head. <laughs> uh, takeaway, love the Jesus story, love the baby Jesus story, love Christmas. Um, it makes me very sentimental. It makes me feel very good, Christian. It's a very nice time of year. Uh, I love this time of year. And uh, yeah, I just, I love all the cheesiness of it. I love all of the the giving, the getting. I love all of it. Um, and I don't necessarily, it won't keep me up at night that uh, Santa is a capitalist mascot um, because he's not real. And uh, yeah, I like this episode. Yeah. That's my big takeaway. Very good. Yeah, no, mine's similar. Like, so I think like for me, the three big things we covered was one, the idea that you can read the nativity as uh, a political critique of the time of the idea of God having an army and power and being for the powerless. So it was, you can read it as this kind of critique um, of kind of God as with the powerless. Yeah. Secondly, I love the stuff about Santa and that you could see the Santa is just a, a reflection of our everyday experience of commodities. Oh, I did love that. The yeah. separation of the commodity. Yeah. Yeah. So every time we go into a supermarket, we're enacting Christmas really. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, thinking about that. And then the big thing, which is the incarnation as the identity of the highest with the lowest, the holy with the shit. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, uh, or shift, as you would say. Yeah, did I say shift again? No, no. no thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Rob's shoe last night, actually, an That's introduction what, yeah. to Joey. So, which was, by the way, similar to this, because his approach in that tour was that to get to Joey, you have to go as deeply into cynicism as you can. So he says the problem with cynicism is it's not cynical enough. You have to go into the absolute experience of meaninglessness and death. And on the other side of that, you will find joy. And so there again, that's like this coincidence mm -hmm. of opposites. Um, and that's kind of the embrace of the highest, which is, you know, the, the spiritual dimension in the enjoyment of watching a kid play on the beach. Mm -hmm. Right. Just to, yeah. So there you go. To save your life, you got to lose it. Is yeah, the, exactly. The Christian thing. Yeah. Biblical thing. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next week.